Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week in Biden's America. Last week was pretty eventful. Let's see what today holds and what the rest of the week holds. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please check me out on social media. Instagram is at Monica Crowley underscore and Twitter and True Social at Monica Crowley. You can also send me an email about this show. Let me know what's on your mind. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. That's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, today, I want to go deeper into the Trump raid and come at it from a few different angles, including a few dogs that haven't barked. Plus, we're going to get into it with former Congressman Devin Nunes, who led the charge on the Russiagate hoax and was smeared and relentlessly attacked over it. He's going to join us to tell us what the search of Mar-a-Lago might really be about. Also, keep in mind, tomorrow is the Wyoming primary. Liz Cheney is going down. We're going to be all over it on Wednesday, including what it all means. All that plus your emails coming straight up. First, though, the breaking news, and I want to kick off the Monica memo with this. The breaking news over the weekend is that it was revealed that the FBI seized privileged documents from President Trump during that raid. So there were a number of documents that apparently were taken that were covered by both executive privilege, meaning the president has executive privilege over those documents, and also documents covered by the attorney-client privilege as well. President Trump and his team apparently asked for uh, a special master, an independent review of every document that they were going to be, be taking so that an independent reviewer could say, look, this is covered by either executive or attorney-client privilege and should not be taken. And the FBI and DOJ refused. They refused that request. 
So I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the program today, because it's a really critical point. Trump had these documents that were, again, covered for any other president, covered by executive privilege or by any person. If you go to a lawyer over a matter, those documents, whether they're process documents, final documents, doesn't matter. They are covered by attorney-client privilege. So those documents cannot be released to the public. They are considered confidential. Trump knew that. His team knew that. They asked for the accommodation of a special master to independently review each document before they were seized by the FBI, and they were turned down. So I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the show today. It's a critical point. So on this podcast and elsewhere, you have heard me say two things. Well, you've heard me say a lot of things, but for the, for the purposes of this conversation today, two things. One, always look for the dog that hasn't barked. And two, the people really running the show right now are Barack and Michelle Obama and the very close-knit Obama inner circle who were there in the Obama-Biden years and who are back once again in the Biden-Obama years. I am talking about professional liar Susan Rice, who is a foreign policy expert. I mean, she's terrible at foreign policy, but her whole life's work has been surrounded by foreign policy, so they call her a foreign policy expert. Anyway, that is her so-called expertise, international affairs, national security. So what in Sam Hill is Susan Rice doing heading up the Domestic Policy Council at the White House? My friend Brooke Rollins, who now heads up the America First Policy Institute, was Donald Trump's last domestic policy council uh, head. She was amazing at it, but she actually came out of a, a long career at the Texas Policy Institute of examining America's domestic policy, everything from tax policy to education to environmental policy, you name it. She was a real expert. Susan Rice is more Benghazi and Libya than she is taxes and education. So what is she doing as the head of Biden's Domestic Policy Council? Good question. When she was a foreign policy advisor to Barack Obama, she was always out in front, always on camera, five Sunday shows during Benghazi lying through her teeth. She never met an interviewer she didn't want to sit in front of and take questions from. Now she is nowhere to be found. She is the dog that's not barking. Her silence speaks volumes. She is trying not to call attention to herself and what she is doing. But Susan Rice is the point person in the Biden White House for the Obamas to execute all of this. She is their conduit in the White House. She's the point person. But Susan Rice is not doing this alone. There's also Jake Sullivan, who is up to his eyeballs in the Russia hoax against Trump. Now he is the national security advisor. And likely up to his eyeballs in the raid on Trump and this whole classified documents BS. And there's Lisa Monaco. Lisa Monaco was a top lawyer in the Obama administration. And now she is the number two at the Department of Justice, only behind Merrick Garland. So if Garland gets impeached, which the Republicans are talking about, we can only hope, 
or somehow steps down, decides he doesn't need this anymore, Lisa Monaco is likely to be your new attorney general. She is also likely up to her eyeballs in the classified documents BS. We're going to talk to Devin Nunes about all of this coming up on the show shortly. But the man behind the curtain of it all is Barack Obama, along with Michelle. The two of them are running this crap show. And it's long past time we began to pull the curtain back. It's long past time we talked about Obama. You know that song that was uh, very popular uh, just recently? We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Obama. After all, this is the third Obama term. The third term he always wanted to lock in their neo-communist transformation of the country. Donald Trump got in the way and set them back for four years. Now they're trying to make up for lost time. So let's talk about Obama. If you don't think that he's got a hand in this raid and the classified documents attack on Donald Trump, I've got a bridge to sell you. To put what's going on with Trump in context, let's do a deep dive into Obama's record on classified documents and stonewalling their release and straight up hiding them, or even straight up destroying them. Everyone knows about Mrs. Clinton destroying 33,000 emails, which were under subpoena. You know, they're all talking about, oh, obstruction of justice with Donald Trump, obstructing Congress, uh, January 6th, obstruction, obstruction, obstruction. Mrs. Clinton actually carried out obstruction. Those 33,000 emails were under subpoena. That alone should have sent her to prison for the rest of her miserable life where she couldn't have her Chardonnay. And everybody knows this, and everyone knows she used a hammer to break apart her infamous blackberries. And everyone knows she used a private server to hide all of the dark stuff she was doing. Everyone knows this. But most people sort of forget that this whole corrupt crap show took place while she was Secretary of State in Obama's administration and right after when she started running for president. Mrs. Clinton is such an exceptionally corrupt uh, individual that people tend to forget that Obama was her boss, which of course the two of them hated. But Obama's view was keep your enemies closer. Right, And Mrs. Clinton's view was, well, let me go be Secretary of State, burnish my foreign policy credentials so when I run for president uh, again, <laughs> I will at least have that feather in my cap, right? So it was a mutually convenient arrangement, even though they both hate each other's guts. So Obama was her boss, and he looked the other way. Well, all this was going down. He was made aware of the private server, and the report was he was annoyed, but he let it go. Of course he let it go. It's the same thing with the Russia hoax. The entire corrupt lie began with the Obama crew, including at least one meeting in the Oval Office in early January 2017. This was a couple of weeks after Donald Trump had won, and they decided to go full bore against Trump, first by attacking General Flynn and removing him. In that meeting, in January of 2017, very early in that new year, Obama, Biden, 
Comey, Yates, and there were others, and they all skated. But Obama skated most of all. He always does. So let's do a deep dive into his history of record keeping, shall we? Because it's time to pull the curtain back on the man actually running this country into the ground and probably this op against Donald Trump. So we're going to hit a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go through this because nobody else is breaking this apart, but we're gonna. I'm Monica Crowley. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, today is the perfect day to welcome back my friend, Devin Nunes. Devin, of course, is the CEO of the Trump Media and Technology Group. He's also a former California congressman who led the charge as head of the House Intelligence Committee to expose the Russia hoax and the conspiracy to destroy President Trump. Hi, Devin. Great to have you back. It's great to be back on with you, Monica. Congratulations. I know your podcast continues to grow, so... Happy to be back on. Oh, well, thank you for the kind words, Devin. And you're such a superstar. And today, like I said, is the perfect day to have you here. So as we watch this latest abominable action against President Trump unfold, Devin, we all recall that the Russia hoax was the original line of attack against him. And over the last week, since we got word about this raid, there has been a lot of talk that maybe the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago to seize documents incriminating to the Bureau and the Department of Justice about January 6th, or they were rifling through the president's stuff to try to find incriminating documents about January 6th for him. But I saw you over the weekend on Maria Bartiromo's show, and that's why I wanted to have you here, because you made a really interesting point. You said that they could also be looking for documents about the Russia hoax, but that that actually started the corruption that gave rise even to this raid and certainly to the Russia hoax, that that goes back even further to uh, further than 2016 and the Russia lie. 
that it actually goes back even deeper into the Obama administration. Could you walk us through this a little bit and give us some historical context as to what we're dealing with right now? Sure, Monica. I think it actually starts with who's behind this. So a lot of people have focused on what's in the warrant, what did they get at Mar-a-Lago, but you really have to go, that, that's almost irrelevant as to who put this plan in motion. And so when you begin to peel that back, the obvious people that were involved in this had to be the deputy attorney general and had to be high level people in the White House. And so the whole storyline that is, and and they really gave it away, right? When they came out, while the raid was ongoing, Trump announces it on True Social and immediately the White House comes out and tells their friends in the press, we knew nothing about this. Okay, well, that's hard to believe. Plus, why would you go out and say that? And typically, whatever the left says, that means the opposite. So I think on on Monday night and Tuesday, that was pretty clear that the White House definitely knew about this. And then you have three days that go by. There's, there's, I mean, even some of the mainstream media were questioning this. Nobody was saying anything. And then there's a leak, uh, or no, then Garland comes out. Or no, no, there's first a leak about the nuclear, supposedly they were after nuclear secrets, Right. So then and that leak went to the usual suspects at the highest level that we dealt with in the Russia hoax. So the same people that would have been taking leaks all during the Russia hoax from either the FBI, DOJ or and top level Obama, uh, Biden era intelligence officials. Then Garland comes out uh, the next day. He shows up, I don't know, about 45 minutes late to his to his press conference. But before that, hours before that, we heard the same storyline out in from the White House saying, we know nothing about this Garland press conference. Well, then when Garland comes out, like I said, late, and Monica, you've been around long enough. Anybody who watched that press conference knows that the dude looked like a hostage. Yeah. I mean, he looked like he got the living hell beat out of him. Mm-hmm. And and then he's and then he he. He talks about, um, you know, I did, you know, I'm the one who authorized this. And then, oh, by the way, DOJ and FBI are great. Why is everybody picking on us? And then he exits stage left, doesn't take one question. Like, this is the first time in U.S. history that a president's home has been ransacked by the FBI. And so then we, so then late, you know, then we find out later that evening that, you know, this was a warrant based on. Uh, as the Espionage Act, so they're looking at espionage, and which is essentially treason, uh, and then obstruction of justice because they were looking into the espionage fact. And then we find out there was a grand jury that was convened. So let's just go back now. So who's possibly in charge of all this? And that's and that's kind of my point that the very top level people at the White House and at DOJ are the same people that were there at the start of the creation of the Russia hoax, where this stuff was fed in the FBI, uh, McCabe and company struck, they all went along with it. They had to, have, you know, the FBI, we now prove just by the documents been declassified. The FBI knew that this was being done by the Clinton campaign. The CIA, you know, we, we, we now know, you know, Brennan knew back in 16, he was the director of the CIA at the time that this was a Clinton, uh, that this was a Clinton run op. So then you have to ask yourself, well, how the hell did this Russia hoax even start when everybody knew it was a Clinton op? 
And then the Obama, we know also from our investigation at the time that the Obama White House knew. So all the top level people that were or, or that were there at the time of the Russia hoax are there now back at the highest level now as, you know, like the, in the deputy's position or senior levels at the, at the White House. But what I the, the other point that I made uh, that I've been making that people need to see these this is not new. So how do you go from from start to finish here where you're essentially in banana, banana republic territory where you're ransacking a president's home, uh, getting a grand jury to convene over over treasonous acts under the Espionage Act? And I think you have to take a little tour through history. And I was there for all of this in Congress. And it starts with the Fast and Furious scandal that that essentially we got stonewalled in our investigation. But what we ultimately found in that and while why Eric Holder got held in contempt of Congress, they refused to provide the documents. But there were enough there was enough evidence there that showed that it looked like really it was a it was giving illegal weapons to people across the border uh, in order to make some strange gun control argument, you know, just going back to Fast and Furious, and ultimately people ended up dying at the because of these weapons. So we got, you know, we got stonewalled there. But all the same people, they were there, they knew about this activity. Then you had Lois Lerner, the IRS scandal. Remember, she wouldn't answer any of those questions. We actually, I was on the Ways and Means Committee when we when we did that investigation. She refused to answer anything, but clearly conservatives were targeted, and that was swept under the rug. And then, you know, slowly you, you get away with one, you get away with the next step. So you get more and more egregious. It leads to the Russia hoax. It leads to then uh, the whole and there's there's different areas of the Russia hoax kind of focus areas and kind of in the timeline. But let me take people back to uh, the investigation is ongoing. Then Comey gets fired. And then lo and behold, you know, Comey comes out and says, oh, yeah, we had an investigation going. Now we know that investigation was spurred by the Clinton campaign and the Obama era people. And then it leads to Mueller. So they, they create this special counsel with Mueller. Well, there's some similarities there. What does Mueller say? It's, 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 all, it's always loose, but they always insinuated obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice. And I always said at the time, and, and my colleagues said, well, like obstruction of justice on what? What crime was broken? And then it was like, oh, FARA, right? A law that had you know seldom been enforced. And they also had the... Oh, uh, there was like a 200 year old law that they were using. So essentially they created an investigation in search of crimes and then really tried to use the obstruction of justice. So so crimes that never had occurred, they manufactured. Then they say, oh, we're investigating this. And they say, oh, obstruction of justice. That's what the Mueller investigation uh, did at the time. So so, you know, fast forward. Here you are. It leads to two impeachments. It leads to uh, then you have all the uncertainty surrounding January 6th. What was the Fed's involvement there? Those questions still haven't been answered. The Whit- the Governor Whitmer case in Michigan, you know, more and more information is coming out that where now you had feds actually sleeping uh, and doing drugs with some of the people that got wrapped up into that. That looks like a, you know, some type of inside job by the feds. We still don't have answers there. And now you have this you know, banana republic, they ransack the president's home. And lo and behold, what are they saying? Oh, we're looking at the Espionage Act and oh, Trump's obstructing justice. So all the same people, all the same players at the highest level. And that's, I think, important for everybody to just understand those historical facts. And I think when you 
you know, ultimately what we need to get here is who ordered this, who's behind it, who orchestrated it, who at the FBI, who at the DOJ, all of this had to have moved up the chain. I'm assuming they were very careful uh, in their communications with the White House, but I find it impossible to believe that the White House wasn't fully aware of this. I mean, maybe Biden didn't know about it, yeah. but even if you told Biden, I'm not sure Biden would even remember it. Well, you know, that's that's a good point. Actually, I do think the White House was briefed. I, there's no way that they didn't know. But Biden himself, you know, he is pretty senile, Devin. So I can imagine that they didn't tell him because he has a tendency to blurt things out because he has no filter, because his mind is not there. So it's entirely possible Biden himself did not know. But certainly Ron Klain and everybody else in this White House, White House Council, I am sure that they knew what what was going on. But to your bigger point, Devin, and, and I appreciate the historical context because it's so critical here, that it, you know, when, when your enemies tell you who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do, believe them. They're not pulling the wool over your eyes. They're telling you exactly what they're doing. And so for you to lay out the pattern of behavior going all the way back to the Lois Lerner years, the Obama years, you're exactly right. These are the same people. So it is, and I did a whole monologue earlier on the show today, uh, Devin, talking about how Obama and Michelle are the ones pulling the strings. And they're pulling the strings via Susan Rice, who is their point person in the White House. Susan Rice is her whole career, her whole expertise is foreign policy, but now she's heading up the domestic policy council. No, she is the Obama's conduit into this White House, running this whole corrupt uh, situation in terms of domestic policy. But it's not just her, it's Jake Sullivan, it's Lisa Monaco, as you point out, all of these people, it's the same cast of characters, and it's the same pattern of behavior, um, particularly with regard to Trump, starting from 2015. So we should not be surprised here. And I'm assuming President Trump isn't surprised here. Let me ask you about, um, in particular, the classification of documents. Can you take us through what President Trump declassified and when? So when he was president, he can, as president, he can order the declassification of anything. Once he has left office, though, and he is no longer president, he couldn't take those documents at Mar-a-Lago and say, oh, now they're declassified. He didn't have the authority then. But while he was president, he certainly did. So can you walk us through that? And also, why have we seen so few of these documents, whether it's related to the Russia hoax or anything else. We haven't seen very many of these at all. I think just about 60%, right? Well, it's, so I think there's two, two issues for your listeners to understand. The first is that the, let's start with the Russia, the Russia hoax documents uh, that, that, were declassified multiple times. So President Trump on numerous occasions said, declassify everything, declassify everything. I mean, he signed numerous, you know, and I think probably the the firmest one was uh, in October of 2020, where it was a clear direct directive, declassify everything. Um, and ultimately what happened when John Solomon, uh, who's an investigative reporter, uh, Kash Patel, who was my lead investigator on the during the Russia hoax time, ultimately went to work uh, in the White House and, and went to work as chief of staff at the Department of Defense in his final job. 
President Trump appointed him to th- those two to go to the archives to start to go through those Russia hoax documents, see what's there, make sure that everything was there. And what they found is kind of the most important documents, ones that I've seen, ones that the director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, has seen. For some reason, those never got declassified according to you know, the archives, right, which is impossible. So there is something wrong there where all these documents were declassified. They should have went to the archives for people to then go uh, look at, look at, and then put out. Uh, and for whatever reason, it never happened. So you have you have those documents now, and you have that situation, which is you know completely fraudulent and wrong that these documents are being hidden from the American people. Because I can tell you, there's nothing in those that is of any national security importance. It's only would be there to protect. DOJ, FBI, and Obama Biden era officials at that at that time when those when all when all of that went down. So now let's go into Monica the the documents that were uh, you know from I'm just going from you know reports, um, but it seems like this part is not disputed, and that is when they were boxing up everything at the White House. President Trump had documents uh, in his. Uh, in his residence, um, most likely they were just things that, that you know that he was reading, um, and you know he probably would have had no you know he didn't box up the documents, he didn't transfer the documents. They got down to Mar-a-Lago, and then later, as I understand it, the archive said, "Hey, where are these? You know, we're missing some documents." And then remember there was a leak, and they said, "Oh, he's hiding documents." President Trump's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And then he's like, "You know, what do you have? Come and look." And then documents were were sent back. Um, so I, you know, I'm president Trump would have had no idea what was in those boxes would not have no idea that he was even holding these. And then he cooperated, uh, with them to get those documents back. And then on, in June of this year, uh, there is a, which we don't, we find this out later. There was a grand jury subpoena. We just found that out, which is preposterous that they would go to a grand jury versus just go through and make sure you get all the documents they went through confirmed. There was nothing left. That's where it, where, where it was left. And then they go and get this search warrant and raid. And now we really don't know, I mean, what was what they actually took out of there um, and whether or not there was any, there's reports that there was some classified information that was left in there. But it sounds to me like it was minuscule and whatever wasn't there was probably, you know, almost inconsequential, at least from from the reports. Um, And so that's where it's at. And of course, you know, President Trump's position, which is the right one. Look, anything that I was looking at in the residence, there would have been a standing order that these were declassified. And so whenever I looked at them, they were declassified. And if they never made it out of the residence back to their home, they were just declassified. And then they went with the president there on in June. They locked them up. They were behind uh, uh, what I what I understand, lock and key. And so none of this really adds up. So I hope that's kind of some clarity there. There's outstanding Russia documents that seem to be missing. uh, And then there seems to be a few documents that, or there's, there's something, a a few things that they got, but nobody's saying anything. And I just have to believe, and this is kind of the final point on this. It go, let's just go back to the Garland press conference. The fact that it took three days for him to say anything, Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the, the bogus or the story about nuclear secrets, which, you know, the, the, Fake news has been roundly mocked for that um, because, you know, if there really were nuclear codes or nuclear secrets, I mean, my God, that should have been 
how would our intelligence agencies not have known that almost immediately, right? Like, oh my God, these documents are sitting in the uh, residence somewhere. They're lost in the White House. I mean, why would it take them a year and a half or over, what, uh, more than a year and a half to, uh, you know, find out and then leak that there's nuclear documents that are sitting yeah. in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, absurd. Um, and then of course, and, and then just the, and the final point is, if they had something, they would have leaked it. So, and kind of what's coming out is like, there's pictures, you know, there's, there's confidential stuff, like pretty much everything the president handles would be confidential secret, even possibly top secret um, that he, you know, that he would handle. Um, but the idea that there's anything much beyond that, if there was a, a few documents that had to be a screw up by, by, uh, you know, GSA, the archives, uh, the intelligence agencies to not, identify and, and tell them, hey, this is what we're looking for. So they went through, you know, they spend nine hours there with 30 FBI agents. Um, and I think that's also a suspect issue, too. I mean, the same FBI team that's involved in January 6th, from what I understand, are the ones that, that ransacked the president's home, which leads to just a whole hell of a lot more questions. Um, and this is just, I mean, look, we are this is a banana republic that we're living in right now, bar none. And the, the, the fact that these guys have weaponized continually for a decade are every aspect of our United States government. When I say the Democrats, they've created chaos, um, uncertainty. And, and quite frankly, now you've got half of America that has no trust in the DOJ and the FBI, which is a sad state of affairs. Yeah, and all of this, Devin, is being done on purpose. This is about the the deliberate destruction of the United States of America, and so ripping apart these institutions. This is all part. It's all of a piece. It's all part of their game plan. So, let, let just a couple of of other questions for you on this, Devin. So, it, it's entirely possible that the FBI, and as you say, there's a report that some of these agents that went in were also on the January sixth thing. So they're completely conflicted out. And there was another report by Paul Sperry over the weekend that some of these agents who did the raid are also under criminal investigation with regard to the Russia hoax. So it's entirely possible that some of these agents, or at least the the overall order to go into Mar-a-Lago and conduct this raid, is about seizing documents incriminating to the Bureau and the DOJ about the Russia hoax, possibly about January 6th, trying to find additional information incriminating Trump on January Six. I mean, this is a whole. This is a deep sea fishing operation here, and I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that they planted evidence and/or took documents so that they could then accuse Donald Trump of destroying documents and then get him on obstruction. I mean, we are down such a rabbit hole of deep, deep corruption. I'm not sure how we get out of this. Yeah, look, all the above are possible. And the fact is, we just don't know. But I mean, the, kind of what you laid out there uh, is, you know, these Russia hoax documents that are that are that are left are very damaging to a lot of these cast of characters. They need to see the light of day. Of course, I've I believe I've seen I've seen all or or, or most of them. Um, I don't believe and this is just my gut feeling that those were at at Mar-a-Lago, because if they were, why would John Solomon Cash Patel have to go to the archives to to try to find them and find out they're not there? Well, can I can now I stop possible. you there? Can I stop you there, Devin? Because that raised a question in my mind over the weekend listening to you on Maria Bartiromo. If President Trump had these documents about the Russia hoax exposing the DOJ, the FBI, the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton, her campaign, why didn't President Trump then release them? Why haven't 
haven't we seen them? Why didn't he say, here you go and release it all? Exactly. And I think what, and I think at least from what I've, what I, what I've read is that, you know, from, from myself and my old, with my old hat, uh, the Republicans on the house intelligence committee that, that are aware of these documents, former high level officials, uh, you know, like John Ratcliffe at DNI, um, you know, and then John Solomon Cash going to find these documents, them not being there. So the whole idea that they were at Mar-a-Lago seems kind of far-fetched to me. But what's not far-fetched is the point that you make. Was it, is it possible all the same cast of characters, they go in, they're, they're, they're obviously, they don't want these documents out. They've been able to, to coerce DOJ and all these officials to hide these, to never send them to the archives, to not do what was ordered by President Trump. So maybe they thought some of those documents were there. Very possible. Uh, maybe they were going there to look for January 6th stuff. Or were they going there to look for all the above, uh, which you know really just raises this to a really, really high level uh, that we that we haven't seen before. Um, it's uh, it's really uh, you know dangerous times here. So now they're going to open a counterintelligence investigation into the quote damage that might have been done by President Trump holding these classified documents and so on. Congress under Adam Schiff now is going to do the same. So my question is. Are they going to take these documents and lock them down so that we never see them? Well, look, I think just the, and Cash Patel made this point when he was on with Maria Bartiroma uh, yesterday. And I think it's a good one because once again, this is like Groundhog Day. Uh, they love to say, well, you can't, so we can't tell you because it's under investigation. Right. So, so now all these documents potentially that should have been declassified, they can just put kind of a, a, a hold over everything, right? And they can use Espionage Act, obstruction of justice, ongoing investigations. You see Ray say that over and over and over again. And look, had they not been saying the same damn thing for the since 2017, under investigation, under investigation, that every time we would actually get a document, oh, wait, you're just covering your own ass and these should be out to the public. So there's nothing new that would you'd find in the rush to hoax from what I've seen, that would jeopardize a damn thing other than it would really push out to the public. People would have a clear picture of exactly how they lied, exactly the timeline, exactly everything that went down in terms of how they targeted Trump and the Republican Party, got FISA warrants on on innocent people, framed innocent people, uh, you know, very important documents that should be out that uh, that conveniently now it's just like we started this podcast, Monica. Same playbook, same people, same bullshit. Yeah, absolutely, Devin. You're 100% right. And uh, we're going to continue to come back to you on this issue because you, you were re- you were really the OG in all of this on the Russia hoax. Um, and so our hat is off to you for following this and, and staying on top of it. Okay, Devin, please stand by because we've got so much more we want to cover with you. So more with Devin Nunes on the other side of the break. Sit tight. All right, before we break, guys, the recession is here. We have been warning about it for a long time, and now it's literally here. We've got negative economic growth, a shrinking economy, and on top of it all, skyrocketing inflation with consumer prices at a 40-year high. It's really the worst of all worlds. It's stagflation, and we know how painful it's going to be to get out of it. So how are you and your family going to navigate these turbulent economic times? Text Monica to 989-898 and get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings 
with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold Group is your trusted precious metals professionals. And Birch Gold Group is standing by right now to help you make gold history's most stable asset part of your portfolio right now. So text MONICA to 989 989- 898 and get real help from Birch Gold Group today. Again, text Monica to 989-898 to claim your free, no obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Devin Nunes, former California congressman and head of True Social. He, of course, led the charge on the Russia hoax. So his views on this are really important. Um, Final two questions for you, Devin. You are the CEO of Trump Media and True Social. I am on True Social at Monica Crowley. It's a lot of fun. So if you're not on Truth, get on right now. How is the platform doing? Yeah, well, look, it's uh, every day we grow. And obviously last week we grew by a bunch uh, because, you know, a lot of people, it was, thank God we had it. Um, the only, you know, the reason that I that I left Congress, I always like to tell people, look, I didn't need a new job. President Trump didn't need a new company, but we had no basic way to communicate with each other as Americans. So the internet's been locked down by these tech tyrants uh, and President Trump, you know, basically decided to create his own company because he had been banned from every single platform. So we've created this company. We built it without big tech. So we build it block by block. We're working closely uh, with Rumble, who's our cloud provider and video provider. Rumble is a YouTube alternative. Um, And so we have systematically been slowly building this out. uh, And uh, every day we add, add more people. So you can, uh, you can, we're, we're on the Apple app store. Uh, you can pre-order us pre-order from the Google Play Store. They have not released it, it yet for for Android, but you can go to truesocial.com even if you have an Android or a desktop, and you can just go the old-fashioned way uh, and, and get an account, get it on your desktop or from from any any browser from any device. Uh, and then about a month ago, we opened in the United Kingdom. That's the first country that we're opened in. Uh, that's working well uh, so far. And obviously that we have a lot more features we're going to build out because what we're trying to do really here is is take the best of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, put it into one simple platform that's very easy to use. And I believe, and Monica, you're on there, uh, it's a very easy platform to use. It's very intuitive. Uh, people have no issues uh, uh, using, especially if you've you know, used Instagram or anything else, it's much easier. Uh, so we're trying to take the best of all those. Um, right now, obviously, we're, we're you know, we've really attracted, you know, people center right and well, even some left wing people, but people who have been kicked off or banned or shadow banned from the other platforms. Uh, and then every day we just get we get more and more people. So as you could probably tell from last week, Monica, I mean, we had just amazing, uh, just amazing usage, amazing signups. And uh, we're ready to, you know, we're ready to, you know, continue to roll out new features and hopefully what we're waiting on is for Google to approve us uh, in the Google Play Store so people can actually get the app on the on their Android. And that's really the, the, the bottom line. We, we are only beholden to two companies, and that's strictly for the app. But we have to be in the Apple App Store, and we have to be in the Google Play Store for just simplicity. Not that you know, you'll always be able to, even if they were to get rid of us, you could always go to a browser and get on. 
but because we're a family friendly platform, um, you know, we don't, you know, we're not, you know, no, we don't tolerate any illegal activity on the platform. As soon as we see it, you're gone. Um, but what we don't do like the other ones do is we don't censor for political beliefs. So whatever your belief is on COVID vaccines, Jan six, uh, you know, you name it, uh, you can, you know, you can say it on true social and you don't have to worry about some, some, you know, fascist Nazi group coming in and deciding, oh, wait, that's uh, that's, you know, the fake news says that's disinformation. So, you know, take you down or kick you off. And look what you've seen systematically, Monica, kind of final point is look at how many investigative reporters have been booted off of Twitter and just in and these other platforms in the last in the last month. And you brought one up and Paul Sperry, an investigative reporter with Real Clear, uh, he did a lot of the Russia hoax investigation. Uh, he seems to have a lot of good sources. I mean, he was banned just uh, just last week. So this is just becoming more and more concerning uh, every day that goes by. Kind of these people that are not as well known uh, are getting are getting banned. And I think that's because, you know, they're taking very good investigative reporters that they can get away with banning and they ban them. And they tried to do it even to the Epoch Times a few weeks ago. Now they got reinstated. But this is just going to continue to happen. They're going to continue to get away with it as you get closer to the election. You can imagine it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And so guess what? We're here, True Social. Uh, that's why we exist. That's why we're going to continue to grow. And uh, thank God uh, that, uh, that, we, you know, that we created this, this great company uh, with the team of people we did. Because can you imagine if True Social didn't exist? It, it would be. It didn't exist today, Monica. Nobody would have known what the hell is going on. Yep, now, absolutely. Trump and millions of Americans have a way to talk about these issues. Absolutely. And you can attest to everybody is welcome on True Social because you know who's there? Gavin Newsom. <laughs> and you're not you're not censoring Gavin Newsom. Uh, tw- Truth is really, really fun. So if you guys are not already on True Social, you got to get on it. I am there at Monica Crowley. Devin is there at Devin Nunez. It's just, it's a ball. It's a great, great community. And it is a free speech platform for real. So final question, just real quick, Devin, how was President Trump doing through all of this? He's, he's, he's doing very well, Monica. And I would say too, another thing just to kind of add to that, there were so many meme creators, video creators, people that were either outright banned on all the other platforms or had disappeared uh, completely. And they're all finding each other on true social. When you say it's fun, that's why it's fun. And part of what we like to say is we're making social media fun again. And we've brought back all these people that just make hilarious memes. And look, I understand, and, and this kind of tells you why they got banned. It's because they were mocking left-wingers and Marxists. Uh, they were attacking Antifa, for example, making fun of them, talking about the absurdity of the BLM riots. They all got banned over the last two or three years. And the reason it's fun is because a lot of these people are just fun people. They weren't really political people. They just saw the hypocrisy in all of it and love to make little memes. And that's why when you say it's fun, you're going to see stuff on True Social that you won't see anywhere else. So and that's why President Trump, uh, you know, he loves he loves the platform. Uh, he loves the fact that he can get on there and, and at any time of day uh, and and be totally transparent. Uh, and, you know, he puts out a lot of most of his truths. Uh, they're his. Right. I mean, the only things that the only times that maybe, you know, it's not him directly is because he's just he's uploading a video. Right. That somebody produced. But outside of that. Uh, President Trump is free to express uh, express his feelings, and I think that's it's it's really important part of of what's happened here in the last in the last uh, week. I mean, this is literally a week 
that President Trump would have had nothing, would have had no way to communicate. Millions of Americans would have had no way to not only hear from him, but hear from investigative reporters, uh, see the, the truth of, of what's going on, you know, the other side of, of what's going on out there, because a lot of these investigative reporters from, from you know, the anything center right, good luck in seeing that. Can you imagine if, if Truth Social didn't exist, they would have banned all of these investigative reporters because they're already, they've been doing it, they continue to do it. Nobody would have found out what, what was going on. And yeah. so I think President Trump uh, remains uh, very optimistic and steadfast. Uh, he thinks, I mean, look, I don't have to tell you. I mean, he thinks the country is going to hell. Uh, he thinks that what's happening, you know, that he's standing there defending the American people uh, because, you know, they're they're only targeting him, Monica, because he ripped the Band-Aid off of all this corruption in Washington, off of the, what Obama, Biden did in eight years and then tried to, you know, with Clinton and then tried to rig an election, started phony investigations, are now covering their ass. Um, and they're petrified of him because, you know, look, the guy got legitimately, what, 72 million votes. That's serious. And what we haven't seen for in modern history, and when I say modern, like probably, you know, maybe in, in U.S. history, where you have the leader of the Republican Party uh, is someone who was a former president. If you look at past former presidents and, 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 you know, going back as far as you can go back for a hundred years, you know, they served a term or two and then they were gone. Right. And they basically exited the stage. They didn't get involved in politics again. Right. When Ronald Reagan left, he was out of politics. When George, George Bush left, he didn't get in politics. George W. Bush got out of politics. President Trump left the white house and immediately said, I'm staying in politics. I'm staying in the game. He's been around the country recruiting candidates for the House and Senate, gubernatorial races. Uh, he is fully, fully engaged, and he's not going away. And I think that's the frustrating part. They want to make him go away. He's the leader of the Republican Party, and, and he is the most successful leader the Republicans had in many, many years. Why? Because he wasn't a Washington insider. He went into Washington and did what he said he was going to do. And that's and I think that's the key. And people are looking back at this, you know, whether it be, hey, NATO should pay their fair share. Hey, Germany, Europe, why are you getting gas from Russia uh, to, hey, we should be building pipelines and utilizing our own natural resources here. We should be drilling for oil uh, in in Alaska. Uh, he called out kind of the global warming alarmist and said, wait a second here. We're not going to jeopardize our economy so that we're buying windmills and solar panels from China. All of these things that I, I can tick off even you know, from, from those issues to even issues you know, that I worked on that nobody would ever make any move on dealing with California land use issues and water issues. Those are all issues that Trump said, hey, I'm going to go and try to fix this. He fixed a lot of them. We had a great economy, a growing economy. Uh, and now the leftists got in. And look, their problem is that uh, you know, propaganda is great. Uh, you know, if you if you want to stay in power, you have a great propaganda machine, you control all the fake news media, then you run it through the funnel, which are these these big social media companies. It's great. You can poison the minds of Americans with your propaganda, except one thing happened, Monica, and that is that their shit doesn't work. Yeah, and it's a massive failure and it's failed. The American people can see it. So no matter how much you censor, no matter how much you put propaganda out, no matter how much you say a raid's not a raid, a recession's not a recession, when people go and see six or seven dollar gasoline uh, or they go to stores and and they're not full of of the, the shelves are bare in many cases, you can't find things, you have to order things. 
Um, and look, and he exposed all of that. He's the leader of the Republican Party. It pisses off the the, the fake news and and the and the Democrats. They just can't control them. Uh, and so now they're they're reaching. They're using these tactics that we've never seen used before. That quite frankly, it's not just embarrassing and chaotic. It's downright corrupt. Yep. Donald Trump was not one of them. He was actually solving America's problems. And he also exposed the depth of the corruption and rot of the ruling class. So for those three reasons, he's got to be destroyed. And that's why they stay on top of him trying to ruin him uh, with every passing day. And I mean, it's a miracle that the man is still standing. And just one more point, too, that I think is lost on people. And I've been around politics, as you have, for many, many years, Monica. If So President Trump is very successful, right? 72 million votes. He continues to be the largest fundraiser. I mean, if it wasn't for he's the best recruiter, his endorsements matter. He is he's he's rebuilding and adding to this Republican Party. And and I just caution I've, I've cautioned a, a, a lot of people who just seem to have uh, this faded memory or or just like they block things that everybody should know from their memory that they should know. And you understand this, Monica, but this is like an important final point. If Donald Trump tomorrow said, hey, guys, thanks, I'm out of here. I'm closing down all this. I was, it was fun being with you. I'm going to go play golf in, in Florida, New Jersey, uh, and live the billionaire lifestyle again. Uh, it doesn't matter who would become the, the uh, kind of the heir of that, of, of kind of the Trump mantra. Immediately, whether it was DeSantis or Kevin McCarthy or McConnell, whoever kind of took that mantle and said, I'm leading the Republican Party now, they would become the Antichrist. And it would be worse than Trump because they wouldn't have the reach and the, and the focus and the, and the uh, kind of the grassroots support that a Trump has. And they would, we would be really screwed as a party. And you only have to look as far as, you know, look at, look at what they did to Mitt Romney. I mean, Mitt Romney, they destroyed him. Right. They destroyed John McCain. Remember Mitt Romney? They put out there that, oh, he tied his dog to the top of a car. I mean, they made him out to be uh, a lunatic. They did the same thing to to John McCain. They did the same thing to George W. Bush and Dick Cheney, I might say. So I just and they did the same thing to Ronald Reagan. I'm, I'm old enough to remember that. So why, you know, people don't understand this, some of these kind of never Trumpers and kind of our quasi woke corporates. I mean, if they don't get this, they need to wake up and understand that if Trump left, it would be the worst thing that we that ever happened, because then all the firepower would come down on the top leaders that we have in this country and they would get annihilated, <laughs> absolutely annihilated. All of them would. Uh, and they don't even and I, it, it, it boggles my mind that they don't understand that. And, you know, that's why, you know, I, I go back to I left Congress to start True Social because I knew that we had to have basic ways to open the internet back up and give the American people their voice back. You know what? I gave a speech about a year ago uh, where I made exactly this point. I was It was a group of maybe, I don't know, 600, 800 people. And I made this point because everybody was saying, well, is Trump going to run again? And should he run again? Which are two separate questions, right, Devin? And at one point at the end, I said, I said, not only is Donald Trump going to run again, and again, this was like a year ago, I said, but he should run again. And here's why. I said, no matter whom the Republicans nominate for president, the left will burn down the country again. 
just as they did in 2020. So it doesn't matter if it's Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Christy Noem, it doesn't matter whom the Republicans put up, they will burn down the country again and absolutely annihilate the Republican nominee. So you might as well go with the guy who's been around the block and knows exactly what's coming at him. And that shut down all of the never Trumpers in the room. It shut down any question about whether or not Donald Trump should run again. Devin, it's a hundred percent accurate. You got to go with the ultimate fighter who can anticipate the line of attacks. And uh, frankly, we've got some fantastic Republicans out there, but I think in this go around, you got to go with the guy who knows and has been through the fire before and knows what's coming at him. Exactly. I mean, look, the bottom line is when it comes to fundraising endorsements, getting, get, you know, getting crowds, uh, no one's, we've not seen anything like, like president Trump, uh, in, in history, or at least in modern history. And, uh, you know, w- we should just be thankful every day that he had the balls to create true social, uh, that he had the gumption to stay in the fight here. And uh, look, as long as, uh, and he says this too, he's been very clear about it. You know, he just wants to main, make sure that he's healthy. Right. And so far I mean, he's, he's, and I don't know if you've seen him lately, but I mean, he's in spectacular health. Uh, despite this just ongoing, never-ending investigations oh, yep. into him. And we should all be thankful as a country that he's willing to 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 take stands like this. And the longer that, that he's healthy and he's out there, it creates a vibrant Republican Party. And it's, it's really a no-brainer. And I just don't understand why people don't understand, you know, why a lot of Republicans uh, don't understand that. And, of course, the fake news feeds into that, too. Oh, absolutely. Well, please please let him know, Devin, that we're all praying for him and our support remains 110% behind Donald Trump. Let him know that um, because I think, you know, there are a lot of uh, prominent Republicans and conservatives out there who are just not particularly supportive of him. So let him know that all of us stand right by his side and we're fighting right there along with him. I will, Monica. Thanks a lot for having me. Devin, you are fantastic. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Really important insights into this raid and where we are in the fog of war in all of this, once again, in the assault against Donald Trump. Devin Nunez, he is the CEO of the Trump Media and Technology Group. He's also former California congressman. He led the charge on the House Intel Committee to expose the Russia hoax, and that's why his insights here today are so critical. True Social, join it now if you're not already on. Devin, thank you so much. Thank you, Monica. You bet. Bye. Okay, you guys. Well, since we spent so much time with Devin Nunes and we had so much to talk about with him, I'm going to hold the deep dive into Obama's uh, record keeping and how the Obama administration dealt with classified materials because it's going to blow your mind. I'm going to hold that until Wednesday uh, because we did so much on everything else. Let's hold that material until Wednesday. So you're going to want to tune in for that. Nobody else is doing it. We're going to do it here on this podcast. Okay. All right. Time now for the first of the week email bag. The email address is Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So get on that keyboard and shoot me an email. Let me know what's on your mind. Jack writes, Monica, I love your podcasts. You are very subject oriented and get directly to the point. However, you discuss the many problems facing America, but I would like to hear your solutions as to how these problems might be solved. I am very frustrated by the stupidity pushed by our current government 
and every day they only add to our problems. Keep up the great work. P.S. I saw you live at Club 45 and was very impressed. Well, thank you, Jack. For the rest of you, Club 45 is the biggest pro-Trump club in the country. It's based in the West Palm Beach, Florida area. And I spoke back there in March and it was fantastic. There was a crowd of about 1,200 people. Everybody was so enthusiastic and lovely. Of course, maybe that had to do with the fact that Governor DeSantis also spoke that night and he spoke before I did. So he was a really tough act to follow because he's superb. But uh, I'm glad you were there, Jack. And as for solutions, we do talk a lot about solutions on this podcast all the time. But we also have to identify the problems and what they're really all about and where they're really coming from, which is the left's absolute war on this country. Before we can move to fix the problems, you got to understand where they're coming from. This isn't your run-of-the-mill Democrats just screwing things up or incompetence. This is about something much broader and much bigger, and that's what we talk about on this show. Know thy enemy. That's what part of this show is all about. And as for solutions, Jack, we are all over those all the time, starting with the midterm elections and ensuring election integrity. And, uh, and talking about the economy, the pro-growth economic agenda that we saw under President Trump that gave us a booming economy for four years, we talk about solutions all the time. We also talk about how we can change the culture from which everything flows. We learned that from Andrew Breitbart, right? That he's, he famously said, politics is downstream from culture. Culture is the root of all of this. So uh, we do talk about solutions, but we also talk about the enemy within and what it's all about, because you got to understand that in order to understand how to fight against it. Okay. So thank you so much for that, Jack. And if you want to hear your email read on the air, you got to send me one, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Okay. So that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great start to your week. And I will see you right back here on Wednesday with a deep dive into Obama and classified material and also with the results from Liz Cheney's race. So buckle up. See you then.